River Radio. Spread the word. Windsor, Ascot, Maidenhead, Bracknell, Wokingham, Henley, Reading. The voice River Radio of the Thames Valley. Hello, it's Turning Pages here on River Radio. We'll be discussing some great books and our favourite reads. We've got recommendations for Christmas books for adults. And we've got the casual poet Mike Burton in the studio. Listening to Heather Adams and Julian Ashton on Turning Pages. Over the next hour, we'll be keeping you up to date with news from the world of books, new releases, bestsellers, and recommendations of some great books to read. Thank you for joining us today. As usual, it's a packed show. We've got bookseller Chantelle Farquhar from the Little Bookshop in Cookham, who's recommending a great selection of Christmas books for adults. Julie and I will be talking about our favourite poetry books, and we'll be joined by poet Mike Burton, who has his latest poetry book out, Peter the Polar Bear. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. And once again, we've been scouring the papers to spot interesting book news for you. You are listening to Turning Pages on River Radio, the voice of the Thames Valley on this Wednesday morning, 1st of December, with Christmas galloping up ahead of us. Don't forget, we'd love to hear from you. So if you have a favourite author you'd like to tell us about, or you have a book that you want to recommend, or you uh, run a local book club, please get in touch with us and let us know. You can contact me, um, Julian, at river.radio, with any of your book news, and we'll be delighted to include it in future shows. Absolutely. So let's begin with a roundup of those interesting tidbits that we spotted in the press about books. So William Shakespeare wrote, Brevity is the soul of wit. And 400 years later, it seems that we're taking his advice. Um, in, the, uh, in the paper recently, I spotted that research has found that sentences in fiction are shrinking as literature mm. begins to mirror social media. So British fiction authors are using fewer words per sentence and they're abandoning semicolons and increasingly indifferent to the exclamation mark. I've got to say, I use exclamation marks. Mm, yes, and the trouble is, I think some of us use them too many times, but there we are, yes, but they're a very good device. I, I try, I do try and restrict, yes, you're quite <laughs> right. So the study compared work of today with those of 1990s and found sentences had dropped to 11.87 words um, a sentence instead of over 12.73 words. Now, of course, Lucy Ellman, who wrote Duck's Newbury Port, obviously hadn't read this research because her full book only used eight sentences in total so uh not not one to believe in modern trends i see Indeed. I was just, I just had a quick think there. Probably the reason why um, authors are not using a punctuation uh, as such is probably because they haven't been taught properly at school in the English language. Oh, possibly, possibly. Mm. But because it's Poetry Week, uh, one of my favourite poets is, is Wendy Cope. Oh, yes. She wrote a little poem about Emily Dickinson, of course, very famous Victorian American poet. And this is what she said. 
Emily Dickinson. Higgledy-piggledy, Emily Dickinson liked to use dashes instead of full stops. Nowadays, faced with such idiosyncrasies, critics and editors sent for the cops. There you are. So she was complaining about Emily Dickinson's or commenting on Emily Dickinson's punctuation yeah. style. Back then. <laughs> and that was in the Victorian period. Absolutely. As well. Yes, yes. Well, a little tidbit um, I have for you a rare manuscript um, bearing Albert Einstein's general theory of relativity has just been sold at auction for a staggering $13 million, which is four times the estimate. Wow. Uh, yeah, a lot of money. The 54 page document is called the. Um, uh, Einstein Besso monograph, and it was written between June 1913 and early 1914, and it is one of just two surviving documents that record the early development of Einstein's theory of relativity that shaped the understanding of the cosmos. Now, apparently, Einstein himself probably because he was a genius, discarded most of his working papers, but his colleague, Besso, kept his um, where, they were, where, where they shared and, in fact, left this manuscript, obviously to the delight of his relatives, in his will. Oh, fantastic. Well, thank goodness yeah. we've got it. It's just interesting yes. looking at your workings out. Mm, mm. And also, it's, I always found it quite strange, you know, when, so, you know, you've heard about in, in history, authors, you know, have their papers burnt and things like that, yes. where they don't want anything left. It's strange, isn't it? And a pity. Yes. And a pity, definitely. Right, Mark Gattis, who's actually one of my favourite actors at the moment. Very good, yes. Yes. And he's, you might remember him, Doctor Who. He's been in Sherlock and the League of Gentlemen. Mm-hmm. And he's just adapted the mezzotint by a ghost writer extraordinaire, M.R. James, for the Christmas schedules on BBC Two. And he's, he's, he's obviously having a very busy Christmas because he's also adapted a forgotten children's classic, which is another ghost story called The Amazing Mr. Blood. London. Um, and that is also coming to the TV this Christmas. And basically, he found the book in a charity shop and was felt it was so good that he's uh, he's done a television programme on it. And they're also reprinting it for the first time for ages. But it had been so popular, the second-hand versions had been selling for over £100. That's really uh, interesting. So and of course, MR James, we discussed uh, a month ago in our we Ghost did, series. Yes. And the Mezzo Tint is a particularly good one. And uh, The Amazing Mr Blunden was uh, turned into an in- incredible film. Um, I think it was in, in the, the 70s. Se- 70s, really yes. good. Um, but it, in had Diana Dawes in it. Um, oh, did as, it? As, yes, as the as the awful house drunken housekeeper. You would know <laughs> but, that. <laughs> yeah, I would, exactly. Yeah, um, it's the fiftieth anniversary. Would you believe of the Costa Book Awards? Um, Fifty years this year. Uh, this prestigious prize is given out at the end of January. So for you listeners, there's plenty of time for you to read the nominations and for you to choose your favourite and see, in fact, if, if if you agree with the judges when they decide the winner. Now there are five categories. There's the first novel, the novel, biography, poetry, which is appropriate for today, and children's books. And the winning title is decided between the category of of those winning books and the the winner receives a delicious cheque for £30,000. Fantastic, absolutely. Now, uh, I know there's lots of book book clubs out there who listen, so I thought what we'd do is we'd just go through the shortlisted books for novel of the year. So. Uh, first of all, we've got Claire Fuller, and she's uh, her book is entitled Unsettled Ground, published by Fig Tree. And we've got 51-year-old twins who've been raised in isolation, and they're discovering the complexities of life following the death of their elderly mother. 
And following on, there's The High House by Jesse Greengrass, published by Swift Press. Um, following um, a faraway climate disaster, the book explores who, if we had to, would we save? Ooh, that's a good question. Mm. The Fortune Men by Nadifa Mohammed, <clears throat> published by Viking, set in Cardiff Bay in 1952, where a shopkeeper is killed and police fix their eyes upon Mohammed Ma- Sorry, Mahmoud Mahatan. Who will the truth be enough to save him? There's lots of M's in that sentence. Yeah, yeah, in, in, in an awful lot, yes. <laughs> and then following on, we have um, uh, Elif Shafak's The Island of Missing Trees, which is published by Viking, which is a lovely um, novel. It's a bit of a heartbreaker, centred on dark secrets of the Civil War and evils of extremism. Um, and in fact, interesting, one of the narrators is a fig tree. And Elif Shafak is... A fantastic author, but well-known. I'm not familiar with the others, so I'll have, to read, mm. I'll have to read them all. So the question is, should we be instigating a men's prize for fiction? This year, it was spotted that women have bagged 14 of the 20 available places for the Cost Awards in total, and of course, all of them for Novel of the Year. So you have to go back to 2008 to find men securing a clean sweep in that or any category. And there's a similar story in English literature's uh, other big prize, the Booker Prize, where there have been 32 female nominees in the past decade compared with 20 men. I think not. I think men have had their own way a bit too long. Well, I think there's a challenge for Mike, actually. I think they have to put poetry aside and get into the novel business. I could do that. In fact, I, I, I drafted my first novel. Oh, did you? Yeah, so oh, there we go. wow. So I've been doing, and again, going back to the sort of the, the rules of Frederick Forsyth, who did acres of research before he wrote a book, I've been doing the same thing for my first novel. The most important thing with research for a book is mm. to do the research and then don't use it. Just allow it to be absorbed in your brain as you're writing the characters. I like that. Yes. I like that. Mm. It creates a scene. Absolutely. It does. Mm. <laughs> This is River Radio, and you're listening to Turning Pages with Heather and Julian. Thank you for listening. Um, I've been chatting with Chantelle from the little bookshop in Cookham, asking about her recommendations for some great Christmas reads. But first, we are celebrating poetry, and we've been joined in the studio by Mike, our favourite poet, the casual poet. So, Mike, welcome. Thank you so much. (laughs) Delighted that you come along today, particularly as you have a new poetry book out, Peter the Polar Bear, which I have in my hands here. So tell me about your new book. Um, I write uh, very, very instant poetry and, and about whatever pops into my head. And so I wrote a poem, Once Upon a Time. Yeah. I love the Once Upon a Time bit, uh, about Peter, a polar bear. And the story just evolved. And and after I did it, I posted it and people, people wanted to know what happened to him next. Ah. So I wrote another so how did you get the idea for writing about Peter? No did idea. It just oh, pops into my head. There you um, are. And maybe I was eating a fox's glacier mint. I don't know. Something did. And and then the story evolved from there. And it's now just been released uh, through the casualpoets.com and published. And, um, well, shall we have a listen to a poem first? I'd love to. Go love on to. then. So there's 14 poems right. uh, that follows his story. But I'll start with the very first one. Ah, yes. Peter the Polar Bear. Now, Peter had the perfect job, at least for a polar bear. You see, he worked at Iceland. 
He worked without a care. He had applied for lots of jobs but rarely made the grade. We don't have call for polar bears, so no job, we're afraid. He wanted the job at Fox's to sit on a glacier mint. But his cousin Paul had that one, and Peter was really skint. What a stroke of luck he had when the Iceton job came up. Polar bear required, no longer runner-up. Peter stood at the entrance door and welcomed shoppers all, and then he got the trolleys in and swept the restroom hall. If he got hot or bothered, he knew just what to do. He went and sat in the freezer until his nose was blue. Peter loved his job. <laughs> Definitely want to go to Iceland now to see Peter. <laughs> Do you know, I said I wrote to Iceland, they, and then they never came back to me. Oh, you think they would have done? So I'm still going to go back to them. I'm going to drive all the way up to their head office and go here. Look at this. I think you should because they're oh. the sort of company that would actually have this. In Quite, their, in, it's, it says nothing negative. It's all positive about them. And as you'll see when, uh, and if I get the chance to read another poem, well, you'll see like to, yeah. you'll see what happens. And it's and it's he loved his job, and he he ended up in management. Great. I think Iceland are a lovely company, actually. So I think I'm sure the chief executive, I think just go straight to the chief executive. Yes. Or our local Iceland and they might just do it Mm. on a local basis. That's an opportunity, isn't it? Yeah, There is. That's something you can do after the show. (laughs) The the headquarters are up in Chester. They are, yes. I looked looked them up Mm. and I thought, I first of all looked it up and he went, hi Wickham, I went, what a bonus. And then when I realised I was just finding my local Iceland store. (laughs) And there'd probably be little interest in there. Uh, open up R4. So what did you say, sir? <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> okay. Other other um, supermarkets are available. <clears throat> Excuse me, of course. Right. So tell me, you've mentioned just before you read the, um, read the poem that this is published by the Casual Book Company. Yes. Well, I wrote a book last year during lockdown, which was the virus poems. Yeah. And it was... And I self-published it uh, with no publishing company. And then I was picked up by a publishing company. But I was um, frustrated by the fact it cost me a lot of money and they didn't actually do an awful lot for me. I just had the respectability of a publishing company. So when it came to Peter the Polar Bear, I was very keen to, to get it out as available for a Christmas stocking filler, 5 99 from the casual book company. <laughs> um, and um, it, they weren't interested. They said, we haven't got time. Yes, well, I think publishing companies have quite a, a schedule to fill, and they've they've obviously had their Christmas books sorted. Yeah, so I just for a year, went, two years. Okay, I'm going to do it myself. But having learnt a huge amount, sort of a exponential curve of learning in terms of the first book, I yeah. thought I could actually start my own publishing company. I looked it up. There's nothing to stop me doing it. I've done that. I have all the details through Nielsen, uh, the ISBN numbers, all that stuff registered with Companies House. So the casual book company has now arrived. So we can buy this from bookshops? You will be able to buy it from bookshops. At the moment, it's limited to the Marlowe bookshop. Uh, But the, the priority at the moment is to keep... So what I want to do is increase the number of books so i've got more books to write and i'm more so more books to publish already written the poems and the pictures already drawn uh the adventures of bruce the dalmatian and his friends uh, yes. the Lost smile the 12 days of christmas all of those are coming out uh and that will add to that the other thing i wanted to do mm-hmm. uh and a, a, from from a sense of sort of benevolence as well was that the problems I had are shared by many individuals who've, who've had an obsession and wanted to write a book, but felt very, very intimidated by the whole process. So is this poetry or novels? No, or anything. That? So okay. if people want to publish their own book, 
in any shape or form, they can come to the casual book company and they will get all the support and advice they need in a in a Fabulous. in a one to one way. Yeah. And they can then print as many or as little as they need and then advertise it through that website. Clearly we will proofread it first. Yeah. But the idea is to try and make it easier for people who who've just been passionate about something don't want anything but just wanted to publish their own book yeah I think that's really lovely in fact I was talking to a a, a friend over the weekend and his dad as uh, he's just been interviewing his father for a book and I just think what a lovely present both for you and your yeah. and your parents to sit down and listen to their lives and he's put together a little book from it and that would just be fantastic it was really lovely listening and, to and, his dad's story and the wonderful thing is then that that story becomes a legacy and it becomes a found book yes. from years to come yes. for stories that otherwise would be lost yeah so um and i've had a few bits of interest it's in its, in its infancy it will be a platform for the poetry books uh and and the, my novel when i finish it i'll uh, finish it next year yeah but uh that's the that's the plan well fantastic well certainly it's a, a beautiful book so it's been well uh well produced i will say well that's the other thing that i wanted to do so all of it is local so there's <sighs> it's a local printer in the yeah. thames valley a yeah. lo- local editor a graphic person and also social media so that we can offer the support for them if they want to market it all done in a local area so they can meet the people and they don't feel intimidated so i recognize the value of large publishing companies and what they do and it's all about volume and 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 it's how the books get out there which is wonderful because we need a huge variety of books because we're insatiable for them but the individual the, the man you just described would probably not have done anything and i want to that's the target. That's that's absolutely, that's great. I mean, lots of people have ideas for books, yeah. but they never take it the next step. And it's great just to have that easy way of getting into it all. Yeah. So have you always written? Has that always been something? No, no. Uh, I didn't I didn't start writing until I was in my mid-50s. Wow. And uh, maybe a little bit earlier, the odd bit here and there. And then they, they just kind of exploded. And it wasn't until the virus poems that it took off. And that was just... It wasn't there wasn't a plan to do anything with it, but the encouragement was to turn it into a book, and it and it sold out, and it's on second edition for that one. Yeah, uh, and then I because I've carried on writing on social media five poems a week, uh, that the response has been, uh, where can I get a copy of your poems? Yes, of course. so um, and actually, if you're if you're very if you're careful and use the right people, it's not an expensive process in terms of you know, what, where the cost is, and that's what I want to do. So I've, compared to the cost of the first book, it's a quarter of the cost because I now have a much, much better idea of what I'm doing. Yeah, of course, you've got that experience as well to, to know yeah. what's a good price and what isn't. Yeah. So um, you're writing five, writing a poem a day. I'm writing, I write, I write, uh, I, invariably I, the, a couple of poems. I'm always several weeks ahead. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. And I've got about a month's worth of poems. But I, they just, when they pop up. So this morning I was sitting down having sandwich. I had a, a For black, breakfast? Uh, well, it was kind of mid-morning just before I came here. And I, I had a black currant sandwich. And I, so, I, so I wrote a poem called The Sandwich. Which is which is epitomizes the Britishness of, of sandwiches and what do you like in your sandwich? And then I went through the flavours and of course once you've finished that and you've gone something obscure, what sort of bread do you cut the crusts off? Definitely not. And, and no. But it but so that was and, and they 
if it takes longer than five minutes, then it's not worth it. Right. And the, and it's not working. It, it it doesn't. It's it's instant. Yeah. And then I finish it. I usually I usually ring my sister and read it to her. She laughs and says, "Bank that one." And and she's never not said bank. Oh, and okay. And they they vary. So Peter the polar bear came up. We've had Eric the prawn, but we've had. I wrote uh, poems about uh, the shipwreck last week. Mm-hmm. So there could be about anything. And that's the beauty of this. Any subject at all, a quick poem can pop up. And it generally connects to people. And someone out there will go, or they'll either go, ah, oh, or they'll go, ooh. And, and I also like the idea, you know, I love, I love words and, and the crafting of words, which is, Turning Pages does that for me in terms of talking about how words come together. Mm. For me, poetry is, is akin to a song. And one well, that's of the, exactly what it is, isn't it? it? it, it for me, it should be. Yeah. And, and for most people, for the for the person out there that does, they won't respond to a complicated, deeply un, difficult to understand poem. But if you read the the limerick poem to them, they like that. And and in a way, my poetry are limerick poems. Sometimes well being, sometimes bizarre. You know, um, Lonnie the Locust. Uh, was a poem about a locust that actually overate. If it's possible for a locust to overate, he did. Okay. And he became fat. Uh, and then all of his friends left him and now he's... Because they all flew on. And now because uh, no one was there to feed him because he couldn't move. He he'd lost eaten a, everything. He'd eaten everything. He lost all his weight and now he's done a healthy cookbook. There you are. So... Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> yes. And, and, but that's, that's the biz- bizarrety isn't a word. I feel it should be. I think it should be. Yes. Make the word up. Yes. Um, that I have no control over what comes into my head. And now I've released that, things just appear and then they flow. I so think that's the quote of the day. You've got no control that comes out of your mouth, really, as well, isn't it? <laughs> I, I think that's what I've got to wear stick, today. Stick with that excuse anyway. Yeah, I will. <laughs> so, I, so, I, so I, yes, I write five poems a week. I do five cartoons to go with it a week. Uh, and I must have got about 500 sitting there ready to be published. Well, I've got to say that we've been talking about your funny poems, and they are funny, but you do write moving poems as well, and some of them have brought me to tears uh, in a nice way. uh, Today's poem (laughs) that's gone out on social media is called Crossroads. Right. And it it is about that moment that many people find in their lives, that they come to a crossroads in their life, and they just do not know which way to go. Yes. And there's no one there to advise them. They don't want to go back. But they're scared of going forward, and 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 they are, and they're they're emotional, and I accept the context, and it actually probably helps me. So I also write for a well-being website. Uh, oh, that's and, interesting. So your poems are also a way of exploring your emotions yeah, and your, on the questions yeah. in life. But but I can uh, I I I went onto a program which talked about uh, cancer, mm-hmm. and the guests on the programs were all cancer sufferers Mm -hmm. and I wrote a poem called The Big C and about all of the inhibitions we have about The Big C and and I was and I caveated it before the program started to say look this is an emotional poem they said no go ahead and they were crying and I felt responsible Uh, but then one of the chaps contacted me and said look I've now I'm in remission from my cancer he's a very young chap can I use your poem and I said I'd be delighted and then he read it out and I was moved. And I thought, this is my poem. Yeah. And I was moved by his reading. Yeah, yeah. 
and to full circle, someone who bought a copy of Peter the Polar Bear mm-hmm. posted on social media their little boy reading one of the poems to his sister. Oh, lovely. And it was so lovely. And I sat there and I didn't know what, to, I, I almost <laughs> didn't know what to do, that someone would read one of my poems. And the little boy was almost joyful with excitement about what was happening to Peter the Polar Bear. <laughs> Fabulous. That's a lovely story. So go on then. One more, one more poem from the, uh, from the book as, uh, as you've been talking about that. Well, okay. The, 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 the story of Peter the Polar Bear is intrinsically linked uh, to someone else. Okay, yeah. So this poem, as the clue is in love interest. Ah, okay. It's really not my thing to say, but Peter's got a crush. Let's face it, he's quite eligible, but I'm sure I saw him blush. In line with Ison's policy of equal rights for bears, they took on another one, and her name is Claire. She works in the office and sorts out all the books. He saw her through the window, though he tried hard not to look. He was all a fluster when next back on the till. He nearly missed a barcode. They thought that he was ill. But no, I think the only thing is a pounding in his chest. Oh, Peter, don't get your heart broke, and it works out for the best. He's bought some aftershave, which is daft as he doesn't shave. (laughs) So this is the continuing story. So obviously the whole book goes through Peter's um, romance. It does go through his romance, and, and there's, a, there's, a, there's a lovely conclusion to that. But well, uh, we won't spoil it. No, don't. Uh, but uh, it, it is... It is a ha- I also believe in um, stories with good endings. Um, yes. And um, we, can, we can all write stories that leave people scared and horrified, and I've written The Odd Ghost Story as well. I know you spoke about that earlier. Yeah. Um, but we like a story with a good ending, and um, that's where they are. I, I wrote one about, and I told you very briefly, I wrote one about Eric the Prawn, who's oh, yes, yes. a stand-up comic. Yeah. And at the end of the poem was, and then he met Stan the Prawn-Eating Shark. <laughs> and everyone wrote back, and said, oh no, what happened to Eric? <laughs> so of course the next poem was, that Stan turned out to be a vegan. Oh, oh, thank goodness. So there's always a happy ending. There's always a happy ending. Right, how do I buy... Peter the Polar Bear. Uh, if you, it is available. It will be available on Amazon, but it's not yet. But it will be available now uh, if you go to thecasualpoet.com. Yeah. Uh, I am hoping it's going to be available in some local bookshops uh, for the Marlowe Bookshop, and I'll probably try Cookham as well, and anywhere else I can persuade people to sell it. Great, but the casual casualpoet.com is moment. the best way of it's doing it. It's the best it. site, and you can order it online there. And it's a charming little. It, can I can I call it a stock? It's meant to be a stocking filler. It's priced as a stocking filler. It's small. It's easy to read for children. And actually, someone said the other day, can my child colour it in? I said, it's their book. So all the pictures are black and white. So if you want to colour them in, you can colour them in as well. But also, I think big children will enjoy it as well. Uh, Do you remember the magic roundabout? Of course. It's split at two different levels, isn't it? Yes. So this is the book where actually you can read it as an adult and smile and laugh as well, as many people have. Or you can read it as a five-year-old and still love it. Brilliant. Well, that's fantastic. Mike, thank you very much indeed. So Peter the Polar Bear, published, uh, sorry, written by Mike Burton, our casual poet. And you can get the book from... Thecasualpoet.com. Brilliant. Perfect stocking filler. 
And just in case you're looking for more inspiration on what to buy for for Christmas, I've been chatting with Chantelle from the Little Bookshop in Cookham to find out about her Christmas recommendations. And she's come up with some great book choices for adults. Let's listen to what she was saying. Chantelle, hi. We're going to talk about adult books for Christmas. And I've got to say that it doesn't matter who you're buying for, there's going to be a book for that person out there somewhere, isn't there? Absolutely. And it's difficult to reach people, those who are difficult to buy for, such as aunts and uncles and brothers-in-law, etc. They are very well catered for. Don't worry, we have got it sorted. Great. So you have got together a list of suggested books. Now, I know it's proved quite difficult because even as we were preparing for this conversation, you were saying, shall I include this one? And what about that one? And there's just too many to choose from. So how have you decided on your pick? Well, we just look at what's selling and what we think our customers like well so so yes and i've tried to get something for everyone excellent and non-fiction and fiction right so i'd say this time of year many biographies that come out for christmas i've got some fiction but not too much some fun ones and some important ones okay great right we'll start off what are you going to recommend first of well there is joanna lumley's biography of the queen which is out for next year obviously it's a very important year for the queen and it's a gorgeous hardback so that would be something i think that mums and grandmothers and aunties will be getting literally up and down the country this year nice. so that's called a queen for all seasons and then i would also like to mention paul mccartney's the lyrics oh and that is a beautiful looking book isn't it i think it's going to be difficult to get hold of we sold it over the weekend so i can't show it to you now but it's going to be one of those ones that just keeps saying it's very special it's two books and it's unseen unheard lyrics from paul mccartney during well, his whole life so he said he's never kept diaries and he isn't going to write an autobiography this is the closest you'll get because he was writing about what he was going through at the time. So a book for any, anyone who's ever loved the Beatles or Paul McCartney or anything to do with his career. Yeah, and it's quite an expensive book, but I think it's so lavish looking that it's just absolutely worth it. I think if you're a big fan, then you're not going to want to miss out. Yeah. And another one I would recommend would be Spider-Woman by uh, Lady Hale's book. This um, right. very, very popular so far. If you have anyone in your family interested in law or politics, then I would recommend this. I think it will be on a lot of wish lists this year. It's already been a big seller. Yeah, that's a good one for any any ladies out there, any women. Uh, very inspirational. Victoria Wood, Unseen on TV. Victoria Wood is one of my favourite heroines. I loved all the songs in particular. They were my favourites. Yeah. Um, this is all the Unseen footage that she wrote. You can see inside it's got lots of tickets and things like that and it's very impressive looking, very quite moving as well, because this is the last of her writings that um, we'll ever see. So it's scripts that she's written that and it's just not performed. I saw her live in a performance many, many years ago, and it was very moving. Her songs brought everybody to tears. It was, it was brilliant. Very funny. Another one which has been super popular is Bob Mortimer, The Autobiography, and Away. For people of my generation, I grew up watching Bob Mortimer on television with Vic Reeves, and um, I'm a huge fan. It's not all laughs and jokes. He covers quite a lot of sad stuff in there too, but I think this has been selling steadily the last couple of months, so this will be very popular. And of course, he's on the television at the moment with the fishing programme. Yeah, reaching a whole new audience, I think. Exactly, yes. 
And on the subject of comedians who are much loved in this country as well, Billy Connolly, windswept and interesting. So he's written, he's written an autobiography before, hasn't he? This isn't his, his first one. This might be his last, though. So I think it's quite an important one. Right. Uh, he's named it windswept and interesting because so that's how a friend's described him. He never really thought of himself as that. But I would, I would definitely say that he's been swept and interesting, a fantastic character, and yeah, obviously he's not very well, so we need to cling on to things like this while we can. Okay, so something a bit more chipper would be The Storyteller by David Grohl, um, which is a lovely big hardback. <laughs> so uh, this is obviously going to be very popular for any fans of Food Fighters and Nirvana. It covers everything, really. Not in too much detail, but it's nice to hear his own words. This now <laughs> comes with a warning. Ah, uh, yes. The, this is Miriam Margulies, who uh, I mean, is absolutely brilliant. It's hilarious. It is laugh out loud funny. Depends on the grandmother, is what I would say. So <laughs> funny and very, very entertaining. Yeah, she's very straightforward, isn't she? That's just a, a short roundup of some of the autobiographies available. Stacks. So um, autobiographies but, and memoirs sell really well, do they, at Christmas time? It's what people buy when they don't know what to buy for someone. Ah. There for everybody. Okay. So it's shared by Jane Goodall and Douglas Abrams. And obviously we know all about Jane Goodall, chimpanzees and all the work that she did. But this is how she thinks we're going to have to navigate and survive all the climate change threats that are coming our way, which is obviously very topical at the moment with COP26. Yes, and she's very thoughtful, isn't she? So I think that'll be an in-depth, interesting... And another in-depth, interesting read uh, is A Shock to Save the World. This is about the race to uh, make the COVID vaccination um, and bring it to everybody. And, you know, we were all saying what a marvellous feat at the time, how they got so many different vaccines ready, so we've done, and this is... This is how they did it. It's all in here. Like, yeah. Because it's because it's Cookham, really. The Swan, a biography by Stephen Moss. Lovely to have a little natural history book. And I've got to say, I'm looking at the front cover it now with this beautiful picture of a swan, and which, we, of course, we see on the Thames every day. And another one, similar ilk, I would say, I would suggest A Year Unfolding by Angela Harding. And she's done this whole book in seasons, and it's absolutely. I can't show it to you, unfortunately, because we keep selling out, and it keeps having to go for a reprint. But it's super popular, big hardback, and it's just full of most gorgeous prints and pictures. She does of wildlife. Fantastic. Um, Other history ones. This is Ben Robinson's England's Villages, and an extraordinary journey through time. Oh right. So it's England's villages then. So which villages round here have been included? It's a very interesting look at manor houses and barns and the development of villages. And from a local history point of view, it's very interesting. I think we might know someone who would like that. On the same, not local history, but I would go for Tracy Vaughan, Crown and Sarah, which is a new history of the British monarchy from William the Conqueror to Elizabeth II. Oh, wow. So covers absolutely everything. It's a very pretty one. So for the history box in your family, I might appreciate that one. Oh, yes. <laughs> on to a couple of fun things. This is, this is great. When I was shelving it, I stood there and started looking through and I almost couldn't put it down. Uh, yeah. An atlas for curious minds. So it's not just maps. <laughs> it's like uh, a map on average male height worldwide and fastest growing religions Birthplaces of religious leaders. It's got uh, heavy metal bands per 100,000 people. 
few countries that the United Kingdom has not invaded. So that's quite a small map. Yeah. So this is basically maps to do with absolutely everything that you didn't realise you wanted to know. Former and current communist countries and, yeah, anything. There's one map of places that McDonald's don't have a, a restaurant and things like that. Really interesting, pointless information, which is the best information? Definitely one step. Another one for that, that genre of people would be the official Christmas number one singles book. For ones over the time, each year by year. I want to see what year, what was number one year I was born. Yes, you're giving your age away now. <laughs> when a child is born. So there you go. <laughs> and then for, this has been the super popular TV programme, Taskmaster. I don't know if you're aware of the books related to the TV series. I mean, you know when they say don't try this at home? This is kind of the opposite of that. So it's got lists of tasks and it's really good for like party games and things like that. I would definitely recommend it. It'd be a fun night. Level tasks and clues. Much fun. Much hilarity. Very, very good. Good one to open up. And from maybe perhaps the mothers is this very, very pretty Chanel paperscapes. And so if you can see, but what you do is yeah. you open the pages out around the top so you're left with these outlines of all this fabulous history of beautiful couture so yes it's a it's more of like a a gift book so it's a quite a special one right and it goes through the couture of chanel everything from bangles in the 60s to oh pretty much Uh, uh, something else which is going to be super popular this year i'm going to do the ones because we still buy fiction at christmas time there's nothing better than curling up on christmas evening with book this is a whole new series of the complete works of Arthur Conan Doyle. So, uh-huh. oh, that's great! Isn't that pretty? So you should see them all together. They look very nice on a, on a bookshelf. So this is the complete works. It's all of the the poems produced. Oh, there's a fantastic end paper there, and this looks like 1920s, 1930s covers. And so yeah, I think that'll be that'll be a good one for dads. And that's a good stocking filler. So. Obviously, you have to mention the Booker Prize winner, which uh-huh. was it. bought this, and that never ever happens. So I was uh, at the Commons one, and I think this is obviously if someone's looking for a really well written, good story, you can't go wrong with a Booker Prize winner. And I've got to say, that looked a fabulous book. The cover is beautiful. It's a really good story. So, yeah, I'd say it was my favourite on the shortlist. Ah, great. Ah, there is a new Rose Tremaine out. So, Rose Tremaine fans will be excited. This one is really good. It's a historical fiction about a policeman who finds a baby and uh, saves her and then they meet later on in life and she has this big secret and it's a bit of a page turner. Great. And she's, she one. writes really well and very popular. And last but not least is uh, the Christmas murder game. <laughs> like a game of Cluedo in a book, it is a story. Yeah. You have got clues to pick up on, on the way as well. So... Uh, there's anagrams for the 12 days a partridge and a pear tree will be hidden somewhere in the prose for instance and you have to try and find it and it's a clue to something else and there's also another game which is very famous country house mysteries set at Christmas are mentioned throughout this book and you have to find them all and I love anything that has a family tree there is uh, this family that has this big estate and every year they play uh, the Christmas but this year whoever wins wins the estate Ah, stakes are high. <laughs> Very high. Now, the, our main character that we're following, Lily, isn't interested in winning the estates because obviously we wouldn't like her if she was like that. But her mother was murdered one year 
at the house and the clues in this year's mer- uh, Christmas game will reveal who the murderer was. So she's taking part for that. But of course, all the cousins want to win the house, so everyone's playing dirty and it's, it's <laughs> great. I think it's a brilliant idea. It's quite unique. I haven't come across anything like this before. And it's it's like a crime book that you can all kind of get involved if you're doing it. So we picked it for our Christmas book club. Together and seeing who wins. So, oh, fantastic! That's a really good idea. So you can read it as a story, or you can read it as a puzzle. Yeah, absolutely. So it's good fun. I'm sure get yeah, that looking for anagrams once I get into the story, though. <laughs> yes, you get carried away with the uh, with the story. That is brilliant. That sounds fantastic. What a lovely collection of books there. And of course, I've got to say. If the book that you've chosen or you're looking for isn't in stock, you'll have loads of suggestions for other other ideas. Order anything usually in the next day. And if you're looking for inspiration, go to our website, thelittlebookshop.info, because we have got a digital version of our Christmas catalogue on there with loads of exciting titles coming out this year. Perfect. That's a great suggestion. Chantal, thank you very much indeed. Well, that certainly was a great selection of books. Uh, and I particularly liked um, the sumptuous gift hardbacks of the Sherlock Holmes in their 1920 covers and the fun end papers uh, from the Baker Street Press. Um, they all look, they look great on, on your bookshelves. The books recommended by Chantal include A Queen for All Seasons, a celebration of Queen Elizabeth II and her Platinum Jubilee, written by Joanna Lumley and published by Hodrum Stoughton. And Away, the fabulous autobiography from Bob Mortimer, published by Gallery UK. Bring Me the Head of the Taskmaster by Alex Home or Hume. Chanel Paperscapes by Emma Baxter Wright, published by Welbeck, the book that transforms into a work of art. Uh, Lily, A Tale of Revenge from Sunday Times bestselling author Rose Tremaine, which is published by Chateau and Windus. And of course, Paul McCartney, The Lyrics, uh, 1956 to the Present, published by Alan Lane. Uh, Spider Woman, uh, the biography of Lady Hale, who was the former president of the Supreme Court. The Christmas Murder Game by Alexandra Benedict. Twelve Clues, Twelve Keys and Twelve Days of Christmas, published by Zaffa. Uh, the Storyteller, Tales of Life and Music by David Grohl, published by Simon & Schuster. Uh, this Much is True, Miriam Margulies, published by John Murray, with lots of eye-popping candid stories, so do beware. Indeed. Victoria Wood, Unseen on TV, um, Jasper Reese, publishing by Trapeze, and it's five years since um, she died. Yes, I know. I can't believe that. Mm. Windswept and Interesting, my autobiography, Billy Connolly, published by Two Roads, includes his top tips on how to lead a windswept and interesting life. A Shot to Save the World, The Remarkable Race and Groundbreaking Science Behind the COVID-19 Vaccines by Gregory Zuckerman. Brilliant Maps, an Atlas for Curious Minds, uh, written by Ian Wright and published by Books. And last but not least, those beautiful gift editions of Sherlock Holmes books published by Baker Street Press. Right. So we've still got Mike in the uh, in the studio with us and we're going to talk about poetry. So I thought it was, it was appropriate that you stayed on. Love to be appropriate. There you are. Unlike Miriam Mark. Now that is, you're quite right. There must be a caveat on that. She's, she's definitely she's, not appropriate. She, yes. She's got a lot of stories. <laughs> and she's great fun. Yes. 
Yeah. You see, that's what I like about books. It's a computer about anything, any topic in the world. I love the, the Paul McCartney one because there's some reference, there must be some reference to paperback writer there. And there's bound to be. Oh, God. I'm going to have to buy the book now. Yes. Just to find that <laughs> reference. So I'm going to say I'm a big fan of poetry and I'm assuming that you are too. I am and I love it. Uh, and, I've, and, I, and I think uh, there's poetry that goes through the ages that, that really connects. Even, uh, you know, if you go to Shakespeare, Shakespeare is a poet. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, and, and what a brilliant poet and how he can capture. And for me, if you can capture an emotion from poetry, there's the skill. And did you learn poetry at school? Yeah. No. Did you learn poetry at school, Julian? Um, not really. Um, uh, no, I think mine was really the cat set on the mat variety. Yes, you know, this is so disappointing because I think if you learn poetry, it sort of stays with you forever. And, and I, what I love, and I, and I actually have done some stand-up talking about it to actually help someone l- take a poem and break it down and understand it. Uh, and it could be a John Betjeman. It could be uh, anything anything written by anything and try and understand it and you can understand it on different levels yes and i think that is the beauty of poetry it doesn't have to be deep and meaningful but if it is then that just adds an extra layer absolutely there's a depth in it where a story is is very black and white this yeah. ha- this happened and this happened whereas the the words that you can use in poetry are evocative of much more than just yeah. the facts i think it's interesting that publishers are quite reluctant to publish poetry books but to be fair if you go into any bookshop they've always got a really good selection of poetry books and i'm a big fan of just going and being inspired and buying something that i've never heard of before it, it, it's a shame it is a shame that uh it is considered to be something that is left field and not 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 your average and Um, i don't know why and i'm trying to going to try and change that yeah well i hope so and we were talking about the cost of coffee um book awards earlier on and of course they have got they have chosen four new poetry books um which are highlighting the best of newly published books for 2021 and i just thought i would share those titles uh with everybody because uh, they're so important. They are. Um, uh, first off the block are all the names given by Raymond Antrobus, uh, published by Picador, which continues Antrobus's investigation into language, miscommunication, place and memory. Eat or We Both Starve by Victoria Kenefick by Carcanatic Press. And her first book explores what it is to live with the past and not be consumed by it. Uh, the Blood Condition by Keo Chingonyi, published by Chatter and Windus. Uh, this tells the story of inheritance uh, of people, places, culture, memories uh, that form us. And finally, The Kids by Hannah Lowe, published by Blood Axe Books. And this is her third collection of sonnets, talking about Shakespeare. Uh, she's using the same form. And it's all about teaching, learning, growing up and parenthood, drawn from a decade of teaching in an inner city London sixth form, as well as poems about her young son learning to negotiate contemporary London. So I think all of them are well worth purchasing and trying out. So, Julian, what's your first poem that, um, that you'd like to share with everybody today? 
Well, the, uh, my first choice is is uh, Walking Away by C. Day Lewis, and it was, in fact, suggested by one of our listeners, Mrs. Joy Pennells of Sevenoaks in Kent. And in, also, it was Joy who suggested that we might consider poetry and poets as our themes for this week. Oh, so great, great decision. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there we are, listeners. You see, this is it. So please do you know, get in touch with us if you have an idea for a suggestion for our weekly theme. And thank you to Joy for this week's select, uh, suggestion. Um, this poem was published in 1962, and it's about a father leaving his son on his first day at school and what the bonds of love are all about. Um, by the by, Cecil Day-Lewis's son by a second marriage is the famous actor Daniel Day-Lewis, ah. or now Sir Daniel Day-Lewis, who attended Seven Oaks School at the same time and in the same year as Joy's own son, Jason. Oh, how lovely. Great. Ooh. Well, it is a charming poem, so let's listen to it now. Walking Away by C. Day Lewis It is eighteen years ago, almost to the day, a sunny day with leaves just turning, the touchlines new ruled, since I watched you play your first game of football, then, like a satellite, wrenched from its orbit, go drifting away. Behind a scatter of boys, I can see you walking away from me towards the school, with the pathos of a half-fledged thing set free, into a wilderness, the gate of one who finds no path where the path should be. That hesitant figure, eddying away like a winged seed loosened from its parent's stem, has something I never quite grasped to convey about nature's give and take. The small, the scorching ordeals which fire one's irresolute clay. I have had worse partings, but none that so gnaws at my mind still. Perhaps it is roughly saying what God alone could perfectly show. How selfhood begins with a walking away, and love is proved in the letting go. That's charming. Yes, it is indeed. And Cecil Day-Lewis, um, who's a really uh, distinguished uh, poet, um, and he rose to become the Poet Laureate in 1968. And as well as being a poet, um, he uh, taught poetry at both Cambridge and Oxford and later at Harvard University. And to supplement his income, he actually wrote a series of crime novels under the pen name of Nicholas Blake and creating Nigel Strangeways as his sleuth. Oh, I didn't know uh, that. Yeah, no, it, I didn't. Um, it, it, it's very interesting. But he sadly died quite young at the age of 16. Um, of pancreatic cancer ah, which is that a is great sad. loss yeah yes. that was a charming poetry and, it, and often people might think that's sort of what poetry is about and I think it's poetry for everybody and it can be fun and it, it, yeah, it, 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 it can. It, it has to be everything, and that's the point about the variety of books as well. Yeah. You know, you don't. If you are mad on motorbikes and you're not going to go and buy a book on travelling the sea, you want people to be able to have an, a different appetite for different types of poetry. Yeah, and then my next book is called The Sunshine Kit by a marvellous young poet called Harry Baker. And he's a performance poet. So I saw him perform. He was actually at Norden Farm um, recently. I won't say last year because I've no idea with COVID what exactly happened. But he describes himself as a maths nerd. And he ended up going to university to study maths, but realised along the way that poetry was more fun. How could he not? And uh, this is his poem about prime numbers. Now, because it, he's a performance poet, I've taken it to courtesy of TED Talks. Um, and this is him, this is Harry, performing prime numbers called 59. 
Oops, can we hear that? You know. 59 wakes up on the wrong side of the bed. Realizes all his hairs on one side of his head takes just under a minute to work out that it's because of the way that he slept he finds some clothes and gets dressed. He can't help but look in the mirror and be subtly impressed how he looks rough around the edges and yet casually messy. And as he glances out the window, he sees a side that he is blessed with of 60 from across the street. Now, 60 was beautiful. Perfectly from cuticles, dressed in something suitable and never rude or crude at all. Unimprovable, right on time as usual, more on cue than a snooker ball, but like to play it super cool. <laughs> 15, I wanted to tell her that he knew her favourite flower. He thought of it every second, every minute, every hour, but... He knew it wouldn't work. He'd never get the girl because although she lived across the street, they came from different worlds of 59 and my 60s perfectly round figure. 60 thought 59 was odd. <laughs> you see, one of his favorite films was 101 Dalmatians. She preferred the sequel. He romanticized the idea they were star-crossed lovers. They could overcome the odds and evens because they had each other while she maintained the strict rules imposed on her by her mother that separate could not be equal. And though at the time he felt stupid and dumb but trying to love a girl controlled by her stupid mum and she'd have been comforted by the simple song take 59 away from 60 and you're left with the one. And sure enough, after two months of moping around 61 days later, 61 was who he found. He had lost his keys and his parents were out, so one day after school he went into a house and as he noticed the slightly wonky numbers on the door, he wondered why he never introduced himself before. She let him in, his jaw dropped in awe, 61 was like 60, with a little bit more. <laughs> See, she had prettier eyes and an approachable smile. And like him, rough around the edges, casual style, and like him, everything was in disorganized piles, and like him, her mum didn't mind a friend stayed a while because she was like him, and he liked her. I reckon she would like him if she knew he was like her and it was different this time. I mean, this girl was wicked, so he plucked up the courage and asked for her digits. She said, I'm 61. He grinned and said, I'm 59. Today I've had a really nice time, so tomorrow if you wanted you could come over to mine. She said, sure. She loved talking to someone just as quirky. So she agreed to this unofficial first date. In the end, he was only ready one minute early, but that didn't matter because she arrived one minute late. And from that moment on, there was non-stop chatter. How they loved X Factor, how they had two factors, how that did not matter. <laughs> Distinctiveness made them better. And by the end of the night, you knew that they met together. And one day, she was talking about stuck up 60. She noticed that 59 looked a bit shifty. He blushed and told her of his crush, the best thing that never happened because it led to us. And 61 was clever, see. Not prone to jealousy. She looked him in the eyes and told him quite tenderly, you're 59, I'm 61 together. We combined to become twice what 60 could ever be. <laughs> and at this point, 59 had tears in his eyes. He was so glad to have this one-of-a-kind girl in his life. He told her the very definition of being prime was that only one in himself could his heart divide. And she was the one he wanted to give his heart to. She said she felt the same as she knew the films were half true because that wasn't real love. The love was just a sample. When it came to real love, they were a prime example. Cheers. Um, he's um, a, a rapper, as you can tell from his performance. Brilliant, brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. And he was the youngest ever World Poetry Slam champion. Um, so it's the book is fantastic. He is brilliant if you get a chance to listen to him. But his book is fantastic. And, and he just shows you that young, cool kids love poetry. Mm. Um, and that's what we all need to do as well.
Um, so we're running out of time. Um, so we've, we've got there, we've got other poems that we wanted to share for you. In particular, Three Cheers for Pooh, Julian. I think mm. we're going to have to do that next week. Okay, right, yes. Will no that problem. be all right? Because mm-hmm. where did the time go? Mm. But I did want to share Harry, Harry Baker with everybody. So um, I think poetry is so important. We probably ought to do it every month, actually. A I little, think that's a good idea. A little poem every, every now and again. Well, Joy would certainly be pleased with that because yes. she's very keen on poetry. Yes, quite right. Yeah. And it's also, it's a little story in, in itself. Minutes, in itself, absolutely right. So, with just one more thing to go, I thought I'd let you know what the book bookseller, which is our industry magazine, has listed the best-selling books of the week. And David Walliams has come up trumps with Gangster Ga- Granny. Gangster Granny Strikes Again by uh, HarperCollins Children's Books, has swiped the UK official top 50 number one spot for a second week, selling over 54,000 copies in its first full week on the shelves. And the Guinness uh, Book of World Records for 2022 is in the second uh, place overall this week, which is no surprise. No. Do you know my dad's in the Guinness Book of World yes, Records? Yes, I remember wow. you telling what did me. He yes. do? My father is the oldest hockey player in the world wow i know at, 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 at what level uh, at, at um team level no um, but he plays for a, a local team well he's sadly died now but so yes he, he, plays he played for a team in heaven he played for a team in heaven yes that's where he is now yes <laughs> i bet he is actually because he played uh for 70 years Wow. He started when he was 14 and he, and because he started during the war, they'd all, um, all the men had gone away. So they had to get the boys into, into the team. But anyway, coming third place this week with a massive 179% increase in sales is Gary Vaynerchuk, who's written a book called 12 and a Half, Levering the Emotional Ingredients Necessary for Business Success. So I've just got to say that's a massive business book and it's all about emotional intelligence and the soft aspects to business success. And if you are into business, don't forget Let's Talk Business is on at one o'clock today. Indeed. Um, sorry. And the other books uh, that we, uh, we've we been recommending today um, is... Uh, blah, 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 blah. I've now lost my place. Amazing oh. Mr. Blundons, I'm sorry, from Antonia Barber and printed, reprinted by Virago. Yes, The Mezzotint by ghostwriter extraordinaire M.R. James. Um, um, well, we, we haven't discussed The Hums of Pooh, but this published by Matthew but we'll do that one next week. And Sunshine Kid by Harry Baker, published by Burning Eve Books. So keep listening to uh, River Radio Live as... Um, Let's Talk Business is on at one, and it's always full of lots of really interesting things. And I've got to say that we're on next week between 11 and 12 noon, as always, on Wednesday. But if you're not able to join us, then you can listen again directly from our website. And Turning Pages is also available as a podcast. So you can just search for Turning Pages on River Radio Podcast and you'll see us there. And next week we have got Tilly Brogan joining us for Tilly's Young Adult Fiction Addiction. And it's a great book, I have got to say. So I'm going to leave that with you. So 
It's the end of the day. So, Mike, thank you very much indeed for joining you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Chantelle, for her recommendations for books. And we'll see you all again next week. Paper